Playoff time is when things start getting serious on the court. Players are more driven than ever to win these big games and keep advancing. Goodyear knows all about being more driven, too. Working hard to help you advance on and off the road. Let Goodyear.com help you choose what's best. Man, my car uh, conked out on me again. I just spent fixing that thing, man. And I'm leaving the arena last night. It won't It won't go into gear, man. Same problem I had before. But uh, what kind of car you got? That's eh, not important. If we're taping. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter I, if it don't move, right? I, I drive me a hoopty and everyone's like, when, when you go get a new car? I'm like, why well, I need a new car for, man? <laughs> I miss a hey, hoopties get you from A to B. There you go. That's all I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to impress anybody here. Oh, I'm out. Yeah, that's that's where my pride was. I was trying to impress myself. Them pretty cars. Yeah, they cost a pretty penny. <laughs> to keep up and all that. Jesus Christ. AMCC for you fresh. Yes, it's the Run AMC podcast uh, on the Hoop Collective on ESPN. Um, and the A stands for Amin. What's up, Amin? Oh, Mark, uh, Amin, Amin's not here yet. He's on his way. He's in route. And we got our guest on hold, right? Uh, uh, yeah, our guest is on hold. He's, he's holding. We're waiting for Amin. All right. Well, the M stands for me, myself, Mark Spears from ESPN's Undefeated. I am here. And then finally in the building because he's missing time. The C stands for Chris Haynes. Oh, Mark. NBA writer. Uh, no, Chris is not here again. He's, uh, he's MIA. So I'm like a one man band now, right? I might have to have you join me. You're, <laughs> you're, you're the only consistent force in my life on this podcast, man. I'm always here for uh, you, Spears. We'll figure it out, or I'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We got Elton Brand today. Great guest, two-time All-Star, former Duke legend, D-League or G-League, general manager. Eh, these dudes, man. Let's go. All right. Welcome, Elton Brand. Uh, calling from Canada at the G League Showcase. Elton had a very outstanding NBA career, as everybody remembers, after uh, starring at Duke, 17 NBA seasons, 17.4 points, 9.3 rebounds, two-time All-Star, and never had to play in a small market. He always... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how he managed to do that his whole career. But he did play to Chicago with the Bulls and L.A. Clippers and Philadelphia 76ers, Dallas Mavericks and Atlanta Hawks. And welcome to the show, Elton Brand. How you doing, bro? Thank you. Thank you. All is well. well. All is well. All is well. Yeah, is it cold in Toronto? Yeah, it's freezing. It's freezing. Uh, <laughs> Philly is a little, little <laughs> Philly's worse, but it, it, it's cold. It's cold up here. Well, 
first thing I want to talk to you about is, you know, congratulations uh, on your uh, executive job as general manager of the G League. Uh, what is the team called? 87ers, and our nickname is the Sevens. 87, and they had a, a great SpongeBob uniform we could ask you about later. <laughs> but uh, Star Wars. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I had a chance to visit. I had a great long visit um, with Elton in South Africa, man. We were both there for the uh, NBA Africa game. And we we actually talked about this uh, opportunity. And from our conversation, I didn't I th- I thought you were uh, going to like enjoy retirement a little longer and, and, and not take this job. Can you tell me about the job and um, as, as general manager and ultimately what made you decide to want to do it? Um, you know, my why is basically trying to give back to the game that's given me so much. You know, I, I've talked to a lot of people. Like, we sat down probably 45 minutes. You know, I gave you five minutes to talk about your stuff, and <laughs> I dumped my stuff on you for 40 more minutes because your, your stuff um, was more interesting. Yeah, I did that with a lot of people. Though. A lot of people I respect, a lot of people I know, just to get some insight and, you know, get their their views on it. And uh, when I came down to the decision, it was just something I felt that I had to do. You know, I was being drawn to it. Um, because so many people gave me an opportunity. You know, they didn't think I'd make it to the NBA for 16 and a half years. I say that because I got cut. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They just did it selflessly. So when this opportunity came back in basketball, it's like, yeah, I like yoga. Yeah, I like hanging with my kids. My wife is cool sometimes. So it's like, (laughs) you know, what what, what else am I going to do? So that's why I really took that opportunity. Full disclosure to the listeners, we were supposed to start this call at a certain time. We started 15 minutes late because of a little bit of complications. So i got to ask you, have you find anyone, and what was that experience like, the first time you find someone? Yeah, so me, I like to talk to them direct. You know, I like to kind of pull their coattail, so to say. So, I, you know, it's like, look, you're in the G League. This is what... Your, the perception of you is. Now, you're really making this perception a reality by being late or by being disruptive or whatever. Matt Lilly, my head of uh, basketball operations, or Coach Eugene Burroughs want to find you for. So I'm going to let you slide this first time because I'm sure it was an accident. And if this gets out, they're going to say, oh, yeah, that's that guy. Um, just don't let it happen again. So I'm not trying to be soft because I speak to them direct. And if it happens again, you know, it's definitely going to find. But I haven't sent in a fine yet. But it was like two or three infractions that I could have found people for. You, you, you're that guy that yells at you without yelling, right? <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you know the steroids like, like, exactly. Sometimes. But sometimes I got to yell, like last night or I don't want to say last night. But last night I'm doing a panel and there's a bunch of G League guys and nobody had a question. Like, nobody has a question? Like, you're supposed to make up a question. Like, think quick on your feet just to say, hey, I'm so-and-so. It was a panel with other, you know, NBA execs. I'm like, you know, I, I dropped the curse word and was like, y'all wasting my time. Time. Like, we trying to, we, we volunteered to be here. Like, I, it's not mandatory that the GMGMs come to this panel. Yeah. And then they started asking questions and the questions are great. So it's like, you know, it's, it's this generation, they, they're kind of cool, they're young, and, and they just don't know, so. When you uh, when you watch games right now, do you, do you feel like, man, I could still play? 
or, or are you glad that you're you're done and and you look at the floor like man that's a long way from baseline to baseline <laughs> man, that's how i look at it that's a long way and, and and that hardwood hurts and i got the the amazing opportunity to play against joel and b when he was coming back and i i mean he'll tell you and you know how he is social media he he likes to talk trash he would tell you I won that gym some days. I mean, game winners, all that. I, I lit him up for about four days. <laughs> <laughs> so did you but see? That, yeah, it was over. It was over after that. Did he you see uh, <laughs> what he was before? Did you know before everybody else knew how special he could be? Yeah, yeah. No, he was official. No, he he was official. You know, because you know, as an old guy in the gym, you got to pride yourself on something. Either you know, you got the old school cat that can shoot jumper still, or you know, he get in the lane and, you know, he got tricks or you play D. I was the hard-nosed, you know, defensive guy. I grew up playing with Oakley and Mason and guys like that, you know, rest in peace. So I was the tough guy trying to play D against them. And like I said, I won the gym a few days early, but by the end of the summer, it was over. Like he's watching Shaq and on YouTube and coming back practicing moves on me, just dunking on me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, Shaq used to do me like that too. Okay, yeah, you got it. <laughs> You talked about, you know, you, you did the home thing and you're like, the itch was calling you back. For a lot of players, that itch leads them to coaching, to player development, because it's, it's the thing that's most similar to what you experience as a player through your career, as opposed to front office work. It's a lot of behind the scenes, out of sight sometimes, uh, work. What drew you to be on the front office track as opposed to coaching or player development? You know, the, the executive group gave me amazing access. You know, Brian Colangelo, um, you know, let me sit in on, I mean, great trade talks. Like, I mean, they're calling about all-star players. The trades never happened, but I'm hearing this. They took me to Chicago. I'm interviewing the young players. I'm talking to Kuzma. You know, I'm talking to, you know, Donovan Mitchell. I'm talking to these kids like, man, you no, know, young men. And I'm like, man. I like this guy, man. He's talented. I like what he's saying. He might he might turn the corner. He might really be a great NBA player or a good NBA player with potential. So that really piqued my interest that I could work basketball instead of, you know, being around it playing basketball. And then coaching is really a thankless job. It's 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 so tough. Um, you know, if you're not winning, uh, you know, I, I didn't see longevity in that. Uh, did you pay much attention to the, the lack of, you know, it seemed like about a year, it not seemed like, but a year ago, there was certainly a lack of black executives, um, GMs, assistant GMs in the NBA. But over the last, I guess, six months or so, that it seemed to change at, at a, a pretty good rate. Um, was there any discouragement in the past about going that route because there there weren't a lot of guys that looked like you? I mean, you know, I, I read your articles on uh, the Undefeated, so <laughs> I saw the stats. <laughs> you know what I mean? I saw what it was, but um, you know, I've I've just felt strong in my relationships, and um, you know, I believe that if I got the opportunity, whatever, you know, being a person of color, that I could step up and and do the job. But you know, I did not know what I was stepping into. To be honest, it's a lot of work. Like for example, I'm in charge of who gets a parking pass all the way up to. <laughs> who plays for the Sixers? Like my my staff is small, and I do you know press release. I do it all. Like I'm a part of I'm part of all of it. So um, you know I'm earning my chops, so to say. 
your roster is, you know, a, a mix of young former NBA vets. Uh, you know, we talk about James Young and James Michael McAdoo and Christian Wood and uh, some guys on the fringe, Steve Booker. But yeah, that's what I was leading up to. And then you got to make a make Okafor, who is had a, a long illustrious career of his own, um, and then they ended with that back and. What's what's that? First of all, what kind of experiences he have in being the old head in this room of of younger guys? You know, he is enjoying it, and he's still enjoying it, which is uh, you know surprising to me. This is not the NBA. You know, we are flying. He is. I am. Sometimes, you know, we're flying coach. It's three star hotels. Like everything's not handed to you. It's not catered to. The salary is. You know, it's it's okay for real life numbers, but it's not NBA level salary. And it's a lot of wear and tear. I mean, it's travel. You don't. We don't fly out private after the game. We stay the night after, and then fly. Hey, first you guys get morning. to see how the how it is for the media now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I'm seeing you on the flight. Exactly. That's how it is. Like it, it's a grind, and people don't understand that. They just think, you know, G League or media job. Like it's 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 a it's a cakewalk, but it's not. So, um. Yeah, I'm I'm proud to have them, and I look for those kind of guys that want that second chance, want to go out on their own terms, want to say, "Hey, do I still got it?" Because when I played, Atlanta Hawks gave me the opportunity at the end of my career. Philly called me back, literally off the couch, like I was sitting on the couch when they called me, like, and 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 it was just it was a great feeling because when you're the number one pick and you're an all star, you just cater to and you kind of take it for granted. But when you're late. 30s, pushing 40, like, I enjoyed the bus ride when we landed in Minnesota. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm looking around like, wow, you know, I was I was so blessed to get this opportunity. What do you, uh, how, how would you look back on your career? Um, and what, what are you most proud of? And what was the most frustrating? You know, most proud of, you know, the way I conducted myself, you know, on and off the court. Uh, most frustrating probably was the injuries. You know, that Achilles you know, really changed the trajectory of my career. Um, you know, that whole kinetic change. Once you get the calf, it's the ankle, the knees, the hips, the back. And no one, you know, no one's really recovered from that, you know, that Achilles that Achilles injury and came back as, you know, at, at the same level. So that, that really was frustrating because I wanted to give, you know, Philly more. You know, we made it to the playoffs. I did okay. I had a few serviceable seasons, but... You know, I wasn't the same guy. I still have the atrophy on my left calf, which was my power leg from that Achilles, and then quickly had a torn labrum right after that. So, you know, just the injuries, and, and that happens. But um, now other than that, you know, I, like I said, I was, I was blessed to play this long and, and have this amazing job for so long. I'm going to ask you something. There's been a, a rumor for years in the NBA that yeah. not only are you do you rap, but you're one of the nicest ever to do it in the league. 
Is it now? I was I, I laughed oh, until I kept man. hearing people say it, and I said, "Wait, wait maybe this is true." Because they said, well, "Well, he doesn't like to record because he doesn't want people to think that he's one of those dudes that's trying to get you know use his yeah. his fame and his fortune to, to catapult into a music career." But he's really nice like that, and I I'm like, "All right, well, I guess uh, I, if enough people say it, it must be true." Too funny. Well, you know that, that I think that started. You know, Mark and I we talk about that too. I think it was a, a Shaq freestyle on a stage. Actually, in Toronto, like in 2001 or something, <laughs> Shaq, he gets the title. I mean, he sold platinum records. Like, he gets the title for the old guys, and then, um, you know, all the young guys doing it now. Like You're not, a- you're not answering my question, E.B. E.B., I'm trying to bend you down. Are you nice? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Are you nice? Yeah, so, so, I, so what it was was I had a battle with Shaq, all right? And I had a few lines. Like, he Shaq or Shaq. He had his lines, and I had something like, um, you know, you look around the room, KG was buying cases of Cristal. That's when it was Cristal, right? So I'm like, Cristal slippers, silk slippers, custom whippers, protect your neck, don't get bumped by them clippers. Like something corny like that, right? <laughs> it was lame. Yeah, it was lame. And then he thought I was taking a shot at him. And he goes at me like, oh, then why you get traded? Da-da-da, faded. And I'm just like, oh. So then I came back with some Shazam lines, and then I fumbled. <laughs> I can't come with it. Like Shaq's the best. Like Shaq, come on, he went platinum. That's like saying you're the best and you ain't got no rings, man. Like, I give it up to Big Shaq. The big ass how, how, long, how, how long did this go? It, it was it was a long night, but I don't remember much. <laughs> well, this was on a stage. It like was on a stage at a club in front of everyone. Yeah, it was. It was. It, see, social media wasn't out back then. Oh man! So yeah. who won? Shock! I'm giving it up. I took that out. I gladly take that. I'm gonna give it up. Even if I didn't, I'm, I give it up, man. Yeah, see, you know what that is, Mark. You hear what they say right there? He said, "I won," but like, but, I did not but, win. Nah, don't don't start that because he'll he, you know he's still he'll around. Call, yeah. he's in the booth tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how did it even start? Like, what put you on the stage? And this, I mean, what were you guys doing there? I'm trying to figure all this out. It was like a you know, so when uh, Vince had his uh, you know Carabana weekend before it turned into oh. OVO, it was like one of those things. So it was a bunch of NBA players there. And it was a club, and it was like a stage, and we were just on stage. And Shaq, he's a rapper. Like, he got on the mic. He loves hip-hop. Like, he's part of the culture. So he gets on the mic. And then somehow I got on the mic, and then I started spitting. And then, like I said, I think he took jabs at me, and, you know, the competitive juices started flowing. And then he came back at me, and I was – I just – I had, those them lines was canned. I don't want to give any trade secrets, but you look around oh. the room. Yeah, you, you look around the room and, you know, you say something like, oh, it's a freestyle, and then you come into the can lines. Like, I had some lines that I was doing. <laughs> I wasn't how, how did, that big fella, man. How did you have can lines? You weren't a rapper? Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, no, no. I've been in the booth. Yeah, no, I've been in the booth tons of times. Yeah, no, I got songs. I did everything. Like, it was fun. It's just a hobby. Like, I'm, on a, I'm actually on Run Our Test album. One of them. He stole. The, he stole the song and just put it on his album. <laughs> like it's only your song, or he's on it too. Me and him. We have an album. I'm on a song on his album. It was. It was one that didn't sell well, so a lot of people didn't hear it. But yeah, I'm he, on he his had album. one that did sell well. Oh, Mark, why oh, you gotta man, do that, Mark? I think he did. Hey, Mark, right? <laughs> Mark trying to start stuff. <laughs> it's all relative. Yeah, no. It's, hey, he got he got more albums than me though, so you know. <laughs> It ain't safe. Eb, e- you know, you know, Mark thinks he's a DJ, right? Yeah, I heard. I heard. I'm working on it. I didn't, you know, it's 
it's it's taking a side uh, to grad school right now. So I'm gonna get there though. I I I do house parties. That's about it. That's about it. Yeah, but I'm glad social media wasn't out back then. Oh, I wish it was. It could have been oh, live. Yeah. The crowd. Man. So what what happened to all your uh, tracks that you did? Where are they at? I mean, they're, they're in the vaults. They're around. But they'll never be released. Like, it's just for me, it's just a hobby. Just for fun. Like, I don't, I definitely, I'm not a rapper, like, for anyone else to hear. It's just well, for me uh, and a few of my so this, friends. This is Go basically ahead. confirming everything I heard. Like, everything I heard was like, he's nice and he does stuff, but it's only for his own personal collection and he'll never, he'll never release it because to him it's just a hobby. That's literally word for word what everyone has told me. Release and it, the that's only, ridiculous. No way. Like, no way. Not even I'm not like, even on YouTube. No. Just a little, like, just let that Never. one live. Never. Um, my man Rob Stone with uh, The Fader, he released something under the, I forgot. It might, it's called 42 U's. It was like uh, Jay-Z's 22 U's. So if you can find that, you can hear something. 42 U's on The Fader. It was um, 1,200. It was on, the, um, on one of his 1,200 mixtapes. With the fader, Rob Stone, he he released something. I forgot my alias was so Johnny Hanson or something. I don't know. <laughs> Johnny Hanson, I think so. Johnny. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, so this is a dual question, but yeah. did you ever rap with Lou Williams? And well, this is actually three questions. What do you think about him scoring fifty? And what do you think about just the legend of Lou as you know? To see just how legendary he is on and off the court. All right. So first question. Yeah, you know, we, we had some fun together in the booth or not in the booth, but unofficially, like just freestyle and stuff. But he was really in a group with Meek Mill. Like really, really. Like ask him about that. Like, it was him and Meek before Meek blew up, you know, and, and became the superstar that he is. Like him and Lou were really in a group. Like they were young and Meek come to the games and I had courtside tickets. Meek was, you know, it was like they were in a group. Like, Lou, Lou can really spit, and he has something out on title. If you haven't checked that out, um, shameless plug. Him scoring fifty, he is incredible right now, and I don't know why he, you know, on the court he doesn't get, I guess, the payday that he so so deserves. Like I see, you know, checks and signings, and he deserves it. Like. As the sixth man, I know he started last night, but he's getting 40 off the bench when he didn't start, and he's 50 when he's starting with a win without Blake Griffin. Like, come on. Like, he deserves a great contract, and he's going to help you get wins. Like, I look at the analytics. I see if he joined certain teams where the win percentage would go. So, you know, Lou deserves that. And what was the third part? Just, just uh, I, I did a story about the legend of Lou Williams. <laughs> and uh, so I'm going to read this quote to you. Actually, I'm going to read this excerpt to you. As you know, it's, it's been reported, um, and he's admitted to it, that Lou dated two women at the same time, and they knew about it. You you really have to look it up, man. You really have to look that up to ask that question. <laughs> no, but I'm going to read this quote. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm gonna, you know, so uh, basically Drake's rapped about it, booming out in South Gwinnett like Lou Will, six men like Lou Will, two girls, and they get along. So I, in the story, I asked Lou Williams about it, and he said, it's legend, right? You got to let legend be legend. You don't speak on legend. You just let it be what it is and let people assume and say what they want to say. <laughs> so 
I, I want to see if you were on the team when um, when he was hanging out with Brown and Blonde. Legends. Legends never die. It's a legend. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what is he? <laughs> what, what what is he uh you have to get into that uh but what is he just like he seems like a character oh, like man. a cool, oh, man. but like funny. a cool dude you know yeah no funny down to earth but like family on it like his team he takes care of his you know anybody anybody that needs something that he knows and he cares about they got it like he's one of those guys to use the cliche they give you the shirt off his back man no he's a, he's a great guy man he's a great guy we still talk and um you know i've been there through ups and downs of his career. I've been there in Philly when he was young. I've been there with Atlanta when he was hurt coming back. So, you know, we still talk. And we call the NBA bizarro world. That's our little term for the NBA because a lot of bizarre things happen. <laughs> Not on the court, just off the court and coaching and management and just that whole world. And, um, you know, like I said, he deserves a, a huge payday, and I hope he gets it. When you you know, like I said, you got a, a a young kind of roster in there, a mix of guys. Do any of those guys remember you in your prime? No, no, and it's it's been yeah, it's been a long time since they remembered me in my prime. Like, even when I was at Dallas, I had a rookie say, "Man, I had you on my wall for the Slam uh, magazine when you was on the cover when I was in sixth grade." <laughs> wow! <laughs> yeah, like, like Ben Simmons is nineteen. I was 38. You know what I mean? Like he could really have been my son and it, it would have been okay. Like, like it's, it's such a disconnect. Like they weren't even born like for real, for real or four years old, three years old when I was in my prime. So no, no. What's, what's the, what's the most disrespectful thing you've heard from a young player about you and your, your career in, or as you as a player, you know, just that, um, you know, the comparisons, of the game, like somebody will destroy Michael Jordan and, and stuff like that. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, like, yeah, you don't know nothing, OG. Like, yeah, Aaron, man, Blasey Blah is way better than Mike. It's like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> like you cannot. What argument, not, without, without, without naming names, what argument are they using for saying that players today are better than, for instance, Michael Jordan or your era? Yeah, so they're going by what they see. They see, you know, LeBron, you know, they see guys that are the upper echelon, the best that they've seen, but they've never seen Mike because they're so young. They didn't know the things that Mike could do. Right? He could hang in the air and do the things he did. And every time he was clutch, like it was over. It wasn't like maybe or perhaps or uh, he missed that. It was over. He got the dagger, maybe made the pass once in a while to win it, but it was over. Like you could root against him. You could root for him. But when he got that rock at the end of the game, time winding down, he was getting you that win. Every time he went to the finals, he won. And he took three years off between that. So, you know, they don't they don't know that. They just they just they're just young and dumb, you know. In in recent weeks and I I know you listened to a couple of our podcasts, um we, we had uh Baron Davis uh talking and and man, uh, really passionately about uh, his issues with Donald Sterling. Um, mm-hmm. We also, I also talked to Blake Griffin, 
um, about him and um, just wanted to see, looking back, you know, what you recall, um, any stories that come to mind and uh, just how, you know, you, you, you took everything when he, um, when he was uh, pushed out of the league. Yeah, so, you know, if you read uh, Quentin Richardson's Players' Tribune article, you'll see a lot of that stuff because I, you know, I came after Q and those guys, but we were so young, we didn't really understand it. Elgin Baylor understood it, and he would call the league and say, hey, he cannot bring in 15 women or whoever and say, look at my guys, look at their bodies, aren't they so beautiful when we're changing? You know, just wild stories like that. Now, we read about the real estate and, you know, the blatant racism and how he didn't want certain people to live in his buildings and he had to settle lawsuits and stuff like that. But that went over our heads as, you know, young 20-somethings. But, you know, when it hit the fan and he lost the franchise, it just, you know, I I understood it. Like, I understood it um, a lot more. And, you know, when you're caught in it, when you're playing for the team, you know, you're looking at him like, oh, he's eccentric, he's weird, he's these other things outside of, you know, adding those, that, that term to it and, and what it, uh, he was out it to be. Uh, anything that, any story that really comes to mind to you? Um, you know, just the, the Elgin Baylor stuff when Elgin would have to call the NBA and say, look, this isn't right. You know, but it wasn't, it wasn't a blatant, like the one thing that did come to mind is when I was in contract negotiations, and he said something like, well, well, how much money does he want? Like, or how much, <laughs> like, like, uh, because the highest paid player before I signed my deal was Eric Piekowski, and that was like $12 million. So, you know, it just, it had a, a, a undertone to it that, you know, a young person of color didn't need X amount of dollars. Like, how much money does he need? Like, how much money does he want? So, but other than that, you know, he never came blatantly out around my group that I can remember. Yeah. Um, now, if I'm not mistaken, I thought you were on Twitter, but are, are you on Twitter? <laughs> no, no. The real EB. You know, are you on anything? Br- that is not he's got a, me. He's that's got a, a guy account. from Dallas. That is a guy from Dallas that's been doing. He's a liberal. Oh, that's not you? No, that's not me. And a lot of media follow that guy, and, and we tell him every time, that's not me. And he has great pictures, and he wrote an article about the four-point play, um, the four-point, three-point, like four-point play and things like that. And people are, you know, attributed to me and asked me about it. Like, that is not me. Um, we tried to get it taken down once or twice, but I just gave up, and I just laughed. Like, I think that that's funny. But, no, I'm not on Instagram, I'm not on Twitter, I'm not on any of that stuff. Why? Yeah, and, and and I miss out on some things. Like, for example, you know, Coach Capel from, from ODU and Fayetteville State, from Old Dominion, you know, he passed away, and no one told me. You know, that's my man. Like, he, he was assistant coach with the Sixers. I looked at him, you know, stability, you know, great father, great man. Nobody told me. I saw Jalil Okafor at practice one day, and he's like, yeah, I'm coming back from Cape Funeral. I'm like, huh? Nobody told me. Same thing with a pastor, a childhood pastor, because they assume, like, it's on social media and everybody told you, like Coach K, Coach Collins. Like, nobody told me about Cape's funeral. Um, so so why don't you get on then? 
it's like I, I'm busy. Like my kids, they like to do stuff. Like it's it's the distraction to me because uh, you know there's a lot of stuff to look at. <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing I miss too is like like the brands and certain things that were culturally or racially insensitive, to say the least. I didn't even know about. Like I almost did a deal with a company that is being lumped in with the you know the H and M's and you know the 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 brands that have done some like I said, racially insensitive things. And I didn't even know. Like, I, I told them I needed double the money, and they came the next day and was like, okay, sure, just, you know, you don't have social media, but you do have an old Facebook page with fans on it. Can you, I guess it's not a hashtag on Facebook, but whatever it is on Facebook, say this, say that. I told my wife, and she had to tell me, like, no, whoa, whoa, honey, like, they did this. And she don't pass up no checks. So I was like, okay, <laughs> so I had to pass on that deal. But I didn't even know. So I do miss certain yeah. things not being on social media. This happens every single year. You sit there, you say, I'm going to do this for my New Year's resolution. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to start doing things better. I'm going to get a Fitbit, wear it on my wrist, and I'm also going to start eating healthy. And the first one to go is usually eating healthy. You're just lazy. Admit it to yourself. You don't have the gumption to go out and buy ingredients from the market and look up recipes and try to make a healthy meal that tastes good. It's too much work. It's too much work for you to look up recipes, to go find the ingredients, to make sure they're the good versions of those ingredients and not the ones that have been treated with all types of weird genetic, um, genetically modified stuff. So you end up going back to your junk food diet and eating crap. Well, those days are over. Sunbasket, my friends, has saved you from all of the headaches of how to eat healthy. Now, I know what you're thinking. Hey, Lamine, why, why does Sunbasket make it so easy? You're just saying go to Sunbasket. Look, this is the deal. First of all, they've got all the best ingredients. I'm talking organic produce. I'm talking responsibly raised meats, sustainably sourced fish, organic pasture-raised eggs, and organic, organic non-GMO tofu. All the best ingredients, people. And guess what? Some house-made sauces that you can't find anywhere else. Then you say, well, I mean, I actually have a really strict diet. I'm on the paleo diet. Well, uh, how can that be uh, taken into account? Guess what? Sunbasket's got you. It's all personalized. You got paleo. You got lean and clean, gluten-free, vegan, vegetarian, Mediterranean, you name it. They will personalize the program for you. And tons of variety. Up to 18 recipes to choose from each week. So you'll never get bored eating the same stuff over and over again, which is, you know, that's what you do when you go to the supermarket. You buy the three ingredients to make the four meals that you know how to make and eat them over and over again until you're sick of it. Forget that. Go with Sun Basket. You have total flexibility. And best of all, so quick. Most of the recipes are done in about 30 minutes. Go to sunbasket.com slash hoop today to learn more and get $35 off your first order. That's sunbasket.com slash hoop for $35 off. Sunbasket.com slash hoop.
wanted to ask you about your AAU team. Um, you play with Meta World Peace, the artist known as, formerly known as Ron Artest and, yeah. and Lamar Odom, correct? Correct. What, what was that like back then? Um, did you guys talk about your NBA dreams and could you have foreseen the, the success that you guys ended up having? Um, not at all. Now, Ron Artest was Ron Artest back then. Like, he was, like, he, he punched a player in the face one time because he was scoring a lot of buckets on him. <laughs> like, he was passionate. He played defense. He was, he was that same player. Lamar, he, played with us when we were younger, maybe 8th, ninth, 10th grade, but then he went to another team. He went to Adidas-based team and left, but, you know, we could never have thought him that, you know, they'd have the career they had with the championships, and I've had, you know, the career I had. We could never, and then we weren't all ranked high. You know, there was other dudes from Queens that were ranked much higher when we went to the Bob Gibson in ninth grade. We were grinding, we were trying to get better, but we looked at the rankings and we weren't top ten. Lamar. So started, who? What? What names do you remember ahead of you? Like, like Reggie Jesse ended up going to St. John's. Of course, Shea Cotton was number one in our class since he was eighth grade. Chris Burgess, Eric Chenoweth. You know, just some of these guys never never played a day in the NBA, but you know they were ranked much higher than us uh, coming up. Uh, have you talked to Lamar? No, no, I've spoken to him probably a year and a half ago. So it goes like I speak to him, check in, we talk, and then uh, you know, I lose touch with him. But um, no, not not due to not trying, though. So Yeah. Where, where's your uh, concern level at? And... I mean, I think it was where most people was. You know, I, I thought he was going to pass away. Like, it was it was high alert. So you know, the fact that he made it through and you know, that was the message that I was trying to give him and gave him, like, you're still here. Um, you're still that guy. Um, and the, the future is ahead of you. So, you know, um, seems to be doing better. So I'm, I'm just I'm just happy that he, he's still alive. With the All-Star game coming up about a month from now, you, you were an All-Star twice. And I, I remember uh, the excitement on your face and uh, just the pride you had when you were an All-Star for the first time, I believe in 2002. Um, mm-hmm. what, what do you remember – for those experience from those experiences, like what stands out and for anybody that's new to being an all-star this year. Um, and it's funny, I talked to Elton Brent, uh, to, uh, Blake Griffin and he recalled how he did everything his first all-star weekend. But what, what advice would you give to, uh, somebody experience for the first time? You know, I just say soak it in, you know, soak it in, you know, of course you have a season NBA regular season to finish up strong, but, you know, attend those events, you know, spend time with your peers. Um, and then if you get the opportunity, like, don't ever let it get old. Because I had a few injury exception uh, all-star games that I could have went to, and I'm like, nah, nah, I'm good, I'm good. I should have made it straight up. You know, that kind of ego thing. So instead of two, I could have had four experiences. But they picked, you know, a Ray Allen with Seattle back then that, you know, didn't have a great record or whoever. Because those guys understood, like, look, this is legacy, this is an enjoyment, this is marketing, this is so never pass up that opportunity to be an all star, you know, if you can, and just soak it up, just soak it up, because it's a celebration of, you know, your hard work and your talent. What was most memorable about those experiences? You know, just being around the other stars, you know, when I was young, 
you know, being in the pictures with, you know, of course, guys I looked up to, Gary Payton and Shaq and, you know, Kobe, he's only a year or two older than me, but still, you know, they were just the pinnacle. They were at the, the highest of the game, Tim Duncan, and just, you know, spending time with guys that I looked up to as the elite players in the NBA and saying, now I'm elite. You know, I'm one of those guys. Because when I was coming up, it was the coaches. The, the coaches were old school, and they had the only vote. Coach yeah. Popovich, Coach Larry Brown, like they were not, Pat Riley was like Van Gundy, like they were not voting you into the All-Star game unless you won. You had to yeah. win games. Like Dale Davis averaged 8-8 eight and eight, or 9-9 nine and nine with the Indiana Pacers, and he made the All-Star team over me, which was 20-10 and 10 as a rookie. And I understood it. It's like, I got to win. Like, I wasn't mad, but today's game, 20 and 10, you know, being in Chicago, social media, fan vote, <laughs> I, I might have been an all-star. And then yeah. maybe earned it a little later also. But I, I might already had two under my belt, just averaging 20 and 10 in a, in a big market. You know what I mean? But it is what it is. What do you remember most about uh, your time with uh, Ben Simmons and, and Joel Embiid, uh, I guess uh, last year uh, with Joel a little bit before then. And uh, what, what do you think is the future for these guys? Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's see, the, the thing, um, you know, a lot of people don't know is just how hard they work. You know, I've seen guys with a lot of talent that may not work. Um, they're just naturally gifted, and they could just go to the gym and produce. Like, these guys are you know, tireless, like they work hard, like they come to the gym. Um, and I don't know if it's ingrained in them or, you know, they just want to be great. Like they want to be great. Like they both want to be the best. So um, that's what I remember. You know, that's what I remember. Because I was, like I said, I was the punch. <laughs> I was the punching dummy. You know, I was the crash test dummy. Like I'm trying to guard Ben in practice. You know, he's working on certain things. I'm trying to help him work on it. But this is a full court five on five pickup. You know, I'm guarding Joel on the block, like so. You know, and, and it's a, it's a great memory for me, especially being older in my career. Saying like I played against these guys a lot, basically five times a week, um, and see their work ethic and see them grow. You know, into basically all stars. Yeah, and and uh, lastly, uh, you know, a lot of people always talk about uh, the North Carolina Mafia, but I think there's a Duke Mafia now. Um. I want to see if you could go back and, and tell me about your I, I always love hearing stories about recruiting, like how someone got somewhere and who they turned down. Um, yeah. So, you know, I was I wasn't highly touted sophomore year, junior year, um, shot up the rankings when I went to Nike camp. And, you know, Chris Burgess was ranked number one um, and played really well against him. Um, and then that's when all the letters, more letters came in, you know, top-ranked schools. Um, North Carolina stopped recruiting me because of a guy named Eric Chenoweth, who was a, no, not Eric Chenoweth, uh, uh, I forget his name. But Cherokee was, Parks? Would it be? No, no, Cherokee's Dookie, but uh, it was like, I'm sorry. But anyway, so Carolina stopped recruiting me because of the, the Virginia guy. Um and it was Duke, Kentucky, Virginia, and I had Villanova. I took a visit to Villanova. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it was Alvin Williams, Jason Lawson, and those guys. And, um, you know, they they didn't have heat at their house, so I didn't I didn't go there. Um, <laughs> they didn't have heat? 
in the wintertime? No, nah, nah, they. I don't know if they were on sanctions. They didn't have heat at the house. Wow. Yeah, so it's like I'm not coming here. Uh, but um, I mean, I live near Villanova. So they have great facilities right now. Uh, but so then Kentucky, it was too much of a semi-pro even back then. This is the old Wildcat Lodge. Now they have a new, even fancier one. But it was right across from Rupp Arena. We had a chef. You had to check in, like guests and all of that. And it was only you and your teammates. And then I went to Duke, and Coach K's like, look, you can't bring a car. You got to take the bus, and you're going to live in a dorm. And it was like, okay. You know, it was a college, college feel to it. But my best visit was UVA. Like, but they had Nolan, um, what's his name, Norman Nolan, and they had Junior Burroughs. We were both six yeah. bruiser power forwards. This is before, you know, you could be six eight, six nine, and be a power forward. This is the old, <laughs> this is the old yeah, NBA yeah, yeah. when I was way undersized. So I couldn't go there because I didn't want to get typecast. But that was that was my. So how? But what, what made that trip great? Uh, just fun, you know. It was fun. It was just beautiful people, and <laughs> it was just fun. It was just fun. Like they took me out, and we we went we went all over campus and parties, and it, it was just a, just a fun. The football team was amazing, you know. Um, the barbers were playing on the football team, Tiki and Rhonda. It was just a great experience. Like this is UVA was a lot of fun, but Duke, I went to um, you know really for the for the academics because I figured I didn't know I'd be in the NBA. Like yeah. I thought I could get a degree and get a good job. You know, I interned with Morgan Stanley when I was young, making $22 an hour. And I'm like, look, I could do this and I could still get my mom a house. She could move out of public housing. Like, I could get my mom a house by working, and I, I need to get this degree. And then, uh, you know, I played against Grant Hill, and he had a real skinny chest. So I said, well, maybe I can play in the NBA. <laughs> my freshman <laughs> year, too. Christian Leitner cheating, calling every foul. when It wasn't even a foul. And they were NBA you know, studs at the time. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe I can. And then the next year, it all came into fruition. What What was uh, your decision-making process in deciding to go to the NBA? Uh, so was it a hard freshman one? Year. Yeah, no, it was tough. Freshman year, I wanted to leave. It was a chance I left. And they were like top 15 to 20. And I was like, all right, that's good for me. <laughs> yeah, That's a lot of money. All right, Mom, let's do it. And I spoke with Coach Kane. He said, look, you're going to be on cover of magazines. We're going to go to the Final Four, and you're going to be a top three pick if you come back. I'm recommending. He didn't even say you have to stay or you're disrespecting the program. And I was the first to leave early. He said, look, next year, let's do this right. You work, and I will get you there. I will help get you there. And it was a battle. People don't know. I didn't start two games myself my year after I went number one. Like, Coach K sat me, banished me to the end of the bench, and, you know, curse words. Yeah, my sophomore year. I didn't start oh. two games. He pushed me. He wanted me to be better, and I was. Like, after that, I just put in work, and then I got my spot back, and, and the rest is history. But Coach K was the one who said, look, come back, and we will do this right. Like, if you are top three pick, there's no need for you to stay. Was it, was it hard for you to do that for family reasons? Like, was, were your fam, was your family initially disappointed knowing you had a lottery ticket in your game? Yeah, the first year. And then I got hurt. So I broke my foot my first year. And then it's like, okay, you could be top 15 to 20. That's you know, that's not the Powerball, but you got the, you know, you got the five numbers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're about to make some big money. And then it was it was disappointing. Like, it was it was tough. And then, you know, everything he said came true. So 
you know, to this day, I just appreciate everything he's done for me and the trajectory of, you know, my career and my life. Like, that was, that was a great, great, great opportunity. Well, how do you, uh, do you, do you talk to Coach K still now? And uh, what would you say to pers- prospective uh, recruits about him? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I still talk to him probably once every two months. I get down there in the summertime. You know, every summer they say, yo, Coach K's having a dinner. Come on down. I go down there thinking it's like a retirement dinner. And then he's, he got more energy than everybody. <laughs> like, yeah. He's not retiring. He ain't going nowhere. You know, so um, I just say, listen, like, I just tell him my story. And I have told uh, recruits my story. Like, look, he's going to be 100% with you. You might not play. You might not play. Like you, he yeah. might recruit over you. He might have another McDonald's All American there the next year, but he's going to give you the truth and he's going to bring the best out of you. Like I told guys that. Like, you know, not be careful, but when you go there, just what to expect. Well, Elton, man, uh, appreciate you coming on the podcast, and um, it's uh, been a pleasure to get to know you on and off the court. And uh, you know, I wish you continued success, and look forward to you extending to. Uh, heights where you know you run your own nba team and perhaps own it man hello okay <laughs> i just gave you a nice compliment and then he, he, he nah, I, thought, I know i didn't even say thank you but thank you i appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> all right man tell the, tell the wife and family i said hey man and uh best of luck the rest of this season i appreciate it thanks